Great. Um, I, I'm loving our series today. This one's a little bit easier for me uh, today than last week on speaking on divorce and remarriage. But if you weren't here and haven't been here, I encourage you to um, go back and, and listen to these um, uh, messages on First Corinthians. And so Paul is really coming into it, and we're getting into some more sections here on that. So turn to First Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 1 today. I'm going to go ahead and read. It says, Now concerning things... Offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is no other God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father of whom all things and we for him and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all things and through whom we live. However, there is not in everyone that knowledge. For some with consciousness of, of the idol until now eat of it as a thing offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. Verse 8. But food does not commend us to God, for neither if we eat um, are we better, or nor if we do not eat are we any worse. But beware lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? And because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish from whom Christ died. But when you thus sin against the brother and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. There's a lot there, but let's pray. Let's ask the Lord's blessing today. Father, I just pray that this word that you've given me today will go out clearly, that your Holy Spirit would speak and bring understanding and bring fruit to it, God, that it may come alive in us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. Now, let me give you some background here a little bit. Okay, there's a lot in these verses, but I really want to go through these very quickly. But when Paul started the church in Corinth, the believers of the first century had amazing freedom that they hadn't had before, especially the Jews. Now, you see, um, before they, the Jews came to Christ, they were following the law. And the law had over 600 and some um, different uh, laws that they had to follow. 618. It sounds like our government today, right? Anyway, anyway, um, after the death of Christ, a lot of those laws were done away with. And so they didn't have to follow the, the different food laws. They didn't have to follow different ceremonial laws. Um, the only laws they really had to follow continually after Jesus was these moral laws that uh, we had to follow. So all of a sudden, they're down to this small list of, of laws. So the Christian... The believer here at this time, especially the former Jew, were asking some questions to Paul. Hey, 
what about this and what about that? Can we do this? Can we not do this? And so now here in Corinth, they had, um, had a lot of temples that were um, to many other different gods. And so depending on what your need was, you would go to a certain temple and you would sacrifice something. Like if your arm was hurt and you needed something healing in your arm, you would make a, a clay cast of your arm and you would give that to the temple. And, and that's just some of the things that they were going through here. And so there were also these animal sacrifices that were going on in these temples of that day. And so if you needed something, you would bring an animal sacrifice to sacrifice on the altar in these temples. Now, these weren't just, just your regular sacrifices. These were, these were the best of your flock. Right, that's what you would give during this time. You would give the best, um, and that's what was happening here. And so, some of the meat that was sacrificed was burnt in the offering, but some was left over. And so, the priests would eat the meat, but some of the meat they would sell. Now, this is the best cut of meat. This is the wagyu beef, you know. And they would sell it at a discount, right? And so, so this is what was happening. They would come out into the outside in the temple, and they were set up like a lemonade stand, you know. And they would sell the meat, and people would be going by the meat, and they would sell that at, at a great discount. You couldn't buy it today. So, this is the debate that they're having. Should we eat it? Should we go buy it? And should we eat it? And so let me walk you through these 13 verses very uh, quickly. Um, And I want you to stay with me on it because we will go through some controversial things here a little bit. But stay with me again on it. So if you haven't been here too long, you're hearing these messages. 1 Corinthians, the first part, chapters 1 through chapter 6, was um, Paul responding to some things he's hearing from Chloe's household. Now, chapter 7 on through really chapter 14, he's responding some questions now that the church has. And so verse 1, he says, Now concerning things... Offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Now, when Paul says that we we know we all have knowledge, he's actually quoting from a famous phrase that was going on in in the Greeks in that day, that they were all about knowledge. We all have knowledge. We all have need of knowledge. But then he goes on and he says, Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. And so this seems a little bit harsh from Paul here. It seems like he's putting down knowledge. He's saying, almost is saying, he's, is knowledge bad? And, and if this is the only thing that Paul ever says in the New Testament, um, and we know this is not the only thing because he's wrote 13 other letters in the New Testament, um, we would think that knowledge was bad, but he doesn't. Throughout his word, throughout his letters, he, he says knowledge is good. So Paul here doesn't think knowledge is bad. What is he saying, though? And this is what I think he's saying here. Knowledge can be dangerous. So knowledge alone can be dangerous, or it has the potential to be dangerous. Have you ever noticed somebody at your work that knows everything, Right? I guess some of you do. You know, they know everything. They talk to you. They confront you. They say you're doing things wrong or this is the way it is. It seems like they know everything. And they are just annoying, aren't they? You just don't even want to talk to them. You want to avoid them. And so knowledge sometimes can come across more prideful than helpful. And this happens in Christianity too. And the ones who know the most, seems like they say they know the most about the Bible, should be the ones who love God and love others the most. 
But more often, the ones who seem like they know the most of the Bible are the most critical and the most judgmental people on the face of the planet, and especially in the church. And that's why Paul's saying, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. So knowledge can be, can be de- uh, dangerous, but knowledge is also necessary. Proverbs, 20, uh, Proverbs 19.2 says, Also, it is not good for a soul to be without knowledge. And he who sins, he sin, and he sins who hastens with his feet. Paul said this in Romans chapter 10, verse 1. He says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they, that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they, may, they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. So zeal itself can be dangerous. Passion itself can be dangerous without knowledge. And so knowledge is, is necessary. It's important. It can be dangerous but it's also necessary. So if you have knowledge and it's not directed by humility and love, that's when it becomes dangerous, right? So knowledge is necessary, but knowledge is not simply academic. Knowledge actually begins to lead us somewhere. Knowledge has a purpose. It's not for you to know. It's actually for you to be led. It's to be led somewhere. The knowledge of God, everything in the Word of God, is for you to be led somewhere, to, to be led to a place, an understanding, to be led to an understanding of God and a relationship with Him. So knowledge is not just academic, it's actually leading you somewhere, it's taking you somewhere, it's taking to where God wants to lead you. And one of the things that knowledge does, and it should always lead you to worship. Have you ever heard the saying, um, that you know enough to be dangerous. If the knowledge of God is not leading you to Him and His purposes and being, and being directed by humility and love, then it becomes dangerous. And that's why Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he kind of deals with this again. He says, The letter of the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. So when you have knowledge, it is always going to lead you to worship God. It's going to put you in a place of where you're in awe of the Father and say, man, oh, I didn't know that, God, you are so wonderful. You are, you, are, you are it. You are everything. You are all I need, right? That's why we can give our complete life to him because we realize who he is and what he has done for us and what he wants to do in us and through us. That's why knowledge always leads us into a life of worship. When your knowledge is full with humility and love, that's what it's going to do. Otherwise, it's going to be dangerous and it's going to cause harm to people. It should lead us to righteousness. It should lead us, when you know the knowledge of God, it makes you right standing with God. It makes you holy. It brings something into you that you didn't have before. It should lead you to love. It should lead you to faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. And so when we have knowledge and we learn and we learn, it's not just so we can have a lot and be prideful about it. I know this and I know that. It's to lead you to God himself. It's to put you into a place of love and faith in him. But what knowledge often does, it leads us to pride, doesn't it? Why did Paul push the issue of knowledge? And we're going to find out here towards the end of this chapter. Remember, this is a corrective letter, and he is going to do some correcting. He's answering a question. This is the question. Can we eat the meat or not? And so Paul's talking about knowledge. Why is that? 
Look at verse 4. Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols. Now see what happened in verse 1. He takes a diversion, talks about knowledge, and now we're here again. He says, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is no other god but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, yet for us there is one God, the Father, of whom all things, and we are for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all things and through him we live. So Paul is calling on their pride. And then he comes back to this point, and on verse 4 to 6, is that idol doesn't exist. So he's saying, because there is no idols, eat the meat. Have a barbecue. Go get it at 50% off. Do whatever you want. There's no idols there. He's saying, there's no other God, so go ahead and eat the meat. And what he's coming to a place here, because knowledge leads us somewhere, right? Guess where knowledge also leads us? To freedom. Paul's saying here, when you know that there is no other gods in, in this world, you can go ahead and sit and eat. And he's saying, if you're, you're talking about the meat sacrificed to an idol that doesn't exist, then we are really only talking about meat. So go ahead and eat. Now look at verse 6. Yet for us, there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things come and from whom we live. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. So Paul did this intentionally to show us the divinity of Jesus. That Jesus is different than God, that he, uh, that the Father, different than God the Father, but he is equal to God the Father. He's, he's showing the, the Trinity here. This is the part of the idea of the Trinity, that there is one God. There's no other gods. There is one God. In verse 4, he's clear on this. And Paul brings this up because he just said that there is one God, but he wants us to know there's three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And he talks about God the Spirit at the end of chapter 7. Um, where he says, I have the Spirit of God. He also did this in chapter 6, verse 11, where he talks about Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God. So four, chapter, uh, verses 4 through 6, he's talking about that there is no gods, other gods that exist. There is no other God Amen. but our God. That's what Paul's saying here. There is no other God. I don't care what you want to believe. There is no, there's only one God, one Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us all and made us a way to have a relationship with God through his Spirit, his Holy Spirit. There is one God and no other God. So he's saying, eat the meat. Because that knowledge leads to freedom. You don't have to worry. Now, notice something here because he's not done. So stay with me. In verse 7, knowledge leads to freedom, but there's a word, there's a word there in verse 7 that says, however, however, or it means but. That means listen to what I'm about to say because everything else I said is depending on this. He says, however, verse 7, you can eat the meat. You have freedom as Christians to eat the meat that was sacrificed to idols because there is no idol, so just eat the meat. Get it at a cheap discount. That's great. You got Wagyu beef 50% off. I don't know what they were sacrificing. Verse 7, however, there is not in everyone that knowledge. So you have the right to eat the meat, but not everyone knows this. For some with consciousness of the idol until now to eat it as a thing offered to an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled. So here's the issue. It's an issue of conscience. 
Should you eat that meat or shouldn't you? It depends, and what it depends on is this. Does it violate what's going on in the inside of you? So you have freedom to eat the meat, but what is, what is the Holy Spirit saying on the inside of you? It's, is it something deep inside of you that says, if I eat the meat, it's an act of worship to an idol. If I eat the meat, or if I do whatever it is, is it wrong for me to do that? Or, or does it seem right? So he's saying it, it all depends on what's going on the inside of you. So if, you, if it doesn't seem right to you to eat the meat, then don't eat the meat. But if it seems right to you to eat the meat, you have freedom to eat the meat. Now look at what verse 8 says. But food does not con- commend us to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, nor if we do not eat are we the worse. So in other words, you don't, you don't need that meat to please God. You understand? So if there is something on the inside of you that says don't do it, then don't do it. Don't violate what is happening in your inner man. Don't violate what's happening inside of here. So I think a good example of this in our culture might be alcohol. Okay? So the Bible is clear on one thing about drinking alcohol, concerning alcohol. It condemns getting drunk. That's all it does. It condemns getting drunk. But I drink responsibly, so there must be nothing wrong with that, right or wrong. They're right. From the Word of God, I can't say anything different from the Word of God. If you drink responsibly, then alcohol is okay. There are other Christians that say, because of my background or my family background, or because I see alcohol that can be pervasive in our culture, I think it's best that, that I don't drink alcohol. Are they right or wrong? They're right. Both of these positions are right when the problem is um, dealing with this, that they're both. That's, that's Christian freedom. Now, here comes the problem. Because I, now, my personal belief, this is for me, I don't drink alcohol. The reason I don't drink alcohol, um, my dad was a borderline alcoholic when, before he became a Christian. And so it could be something that could be passed down. I don't want to put myself in that place. The other reason I don't drink alcohol is because of, we have people in our church that has had issues with alcohol before. And, and uh, I don't want to drink and, and cause them to, to have, you know, well, Pastor Sean's drinking, I'll go drink with them. Um, the other reason is I have a very stressful job. Being a pastor is stressful. And I don't want to start drinking alcohol because I'll probably run to that like I run to the Twinkies. You know, I mean, you know, that's just me, you know. And so it's probably best that I don't drink alcohol. And so I've seen, but where it becomes a problem, and this is what was happening here in Corinth, is because those people, like, like, like I, I, I would say, well, because I don't drink alcohol, you shouldn't drink alcohol. That's where it becomes a problem. Because both these positions are right. And where the problem is, is when one says, I drink and I don't get drunk, and you live in by that stupid rule, if you, if you think you shouldn't drink, that's a stupid thing. Well, that's just, that's just wrong. And this is, this is what, what the Bible says. The Bible says, no, the Bible says you, you don't, doesn't say that at all. See, that purpose, person can say drunkenness is condemned in the Bible, but responsible drinking is not wrong for, for, in the Bible for me. 
and I can go ahead and drink. You're right. So there's this Christian freedom. The other side says, well, I'm not going to drink because it's just wrong for, for me to drink. And that's right. That's Christian freedom. Same goes with dress. Same goes with what you eat. Same goes with definitely some, you know, there's definitely some absolutes in the Bible that we can't get rid of. We've talked about a few of those. But there are some things we have freedom in. So if that was the end of this, and that's all that Paul says here, and as long as you don't violate my conscience, then I, and I can drink alcohol or I can eat the meat. But Paul is not done here. Look at verse 9. But beware lest somehow this liberty, this is real freedom, you have liberty, of yours becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. So let's finish the statement about Paul, what we started with. Knowledge leads to freedom, but love may cause you to limit your freedoms. Okay? Knowledge leads to freedom, but love may cause you to limit your freedom. Look at verse 10. For if anyone sees you have knowledge, eating in an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? So Paul says here, someone may see you eating meat offered to idols, and you have the right to do so. You have the freedom to do so. But it may encourage them to eat, and their conscience tells them that it's wrong. And look at verse 11. And because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish from whom Christ died. So eating meat offered to an idol is okay for the Christian, but it can also be sinful for some Christians because it goes against what God is saying to them on the inside. And here is why. Because if you violate your conscience, you violate the inner man, what, God, what the Holy Spirit is saying to you, it is sin. It is sin. That's why somebody can do one thing, but it may be sin for you because you don't know what that's going to cause you to do. It may, it may cause some other things. You don't know the end from the beginning, but God does. And so you've got to listen to the inner man. So I listen to the inner man, and the Lord has told me, don't drink. Because I already see how you eat Twinkies. Don't drink. You get addicted pretty quick. <laughs> Romans chapter 14, verse 23. Listen to this. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. So Paul's talking about the same issue here. Therefore, eating is not from faith and is sin. So if you, if you take a drink and your spirit on the inside of you says it's wrong and it's un, or it's uneasy and you don't have peace about it, to do it is sin. Now, if you take a drink or you eat the meat or whatever, but inside of you, you're okay, it's okay for you to do. You can eat the meat because that's not a real God. And I can eat the meat and I can do that. But if something on the inside of me says, no, don't do it. And that's why it can be wrong for one person, okay for the other. Now look at Romans chapter 14, verse 20. It says, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things are indeed pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. So not only is uh, in the inside, but what, what I do, I need to listen to what's going on in there. Even though I have freedom, but also I have to be prepared to not do it because it may cause someone else to stumble. Knowledge leads to freedom, but love may cause you to limit your freedom. Look at verse 12. 
But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Now this verse says you have a responsibility beyond yourself. Have you ever heard, well, I'm doing my own thing. It doesn't bother anybody else. That's not true. That is not true at all. That's selfishness. It does bother somebody else. So you have freedom, but your freedom could cause someone else to sin. And when that happens, you sin against them. Not only that, you wound their weak conscience. But even the worst, you sin against Christ. So you've got you've to watch it. If someone else around you, and, and with alcohol, eating meat, going to Walmart, whatever it is, <laughs> you have freedom. But watch how you use your freedom. Because it could cause someone else to stumble. So if there's no one else around, go for it. Right? You have freedom. But watch, you know, if, if you're talking to somebody... You know, make sure they're okay with it. Verse 13. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. Now, you may think that Paul's saying here that you can never eat meat again. That's not what he's saying. Because in, in other times, he does eat meat. In other words, he's, he, it depends on several things. So let me give you a few questions and boundaries to help you with this, okay? Because none of us want to sin against Christ, and we don't want to hurt other people. Okay, so, so here, here's the first question you need to ask yourself. What does the Bible say about what I'm about ready to do? So if the Bible condemns it or commands it, commands it, it doesn't matter what you feel inside. You do what the Word of God says, right? Because the Bible, the Word of God is your guide. You do what the Word of God says. The second thing is what does the Spirit inside of me tell tells me? What is the Spirit of God saying inside of me, the Holy Spirit inside of me? If the Bible doesn't condemn it or command it, but what does the Spirit of God say inside of me? If it says, if it gives me, if there's peace, then I'm free to do it. If there's war inside, stop. It's not worth it, right? And then the other question you have to ask, will this cause another believer to sin by imitating me? So why would a Christian not use their freedom? Because of love. That's why in the beginning Paul says knowledge puffs up, but what? Love edifies. So when it comes to your liberty, love trumps knowledge every single time. Love trumps knowledge. So how are you using your liberty? So there's a word here that's used five different times in these verses, and it's the word weak. So who are the weak? Let me explain that. Who are these weak Christians? Who are the weak? That practicing a certain freedom would violate their conscience. Or practicing a certain freedom could lead them back into that lifestyle. So we have a tendency in this country to believe that weak means inferior. And strong means superior. So if you have this idea, you'll, you'll, you'll end up doing what Paul says, that knowledge puffs up. Because the weak doesn't mean inferior to God. Weak doesn't mean worse. Weak doesn't mean immature. And strong doesn't mean mature. It doesn't mean that at all. It's talking about your conscience. It's talking about what's going on inside of you. So it's like this. When you were young and you punched your brother, right? 
and your brother runs to your mother and says, Mom, you know, Johnny punched me, and, you, and she goes, ask Johnny, did you punch your brother? And you, say, and you say, no. Well, you just lied, and there's something going on in the inside of you. You need to listen to what's going on the inside of you because you just lied to your mother and something going on. I know, how many of you guys ever had that before? You did something wrong and you lied about it and you knew inside that that was wrong. How many of you guys, raise your hand, I'm not the only one. Please, please, let's have a better church than this. Anyway, um, and so we have that inside of us and that's a good thing. That's, that's, that's what the Bible's calling weak. It's talking about your conscience. So when you were, when you're young, you did that. And probably when you're old, you've done that. And so when you hear the word weak in this passage, it doesn't mean inferior. It means there's something in you that says you were wrong, and that's a good thing to have. I have become weak so he can become strong. That's what that means. That when I become weak and say, no, I can't do that, he's going to become stronger than me. Do you want to know something? If we end here, none, none of us will exercise our freedom because we're scared of, of exercise our freedom because we don't want anything to do that. But you've got to listen to your spirit. Even when other people are around you. You've got to listen to your spirit. What is God saying in here? Become weak. Say, God, I put myself down so you can be strong in me. And I'm going to listen to you. Amen? And we have to do that. We have to rise above because that's what love does. Love edifies and not puts down. Love edifies and puts down. So, but can I eat the meat? Can I drink the drink? Can I do those things? Yes. But listen to your spirit. Okay? Because there are weak Christians around. And let me, let me share with you how to understand what a weak Christian is. Because there are fake weak Christians out there. And here's a few fake type of weak Christians. There are pharisaical Christians out there, Pharisees. They make rules for others that the Bible didn't. That's what happened to the Jewish people. They had 600 and some rules, and some of them were made that the Bible didn't really make. See, you have freedom because of what Christ did in you. And so what they do, Pharisees will say, no, you don't, because I'm going to put what my conscience says on you. And they do it with condemnation. So a true Greek Christian is one who would imitate you, right? These Pharisees aren't going to imitate you no matter what, right? So you don't have to do what they say because they're condemning. That's a fake Greek Christian. The ones you're worried about are the ones who would imitate you, not these who wouldn't imitate you. So if you, so if you invite me to your home and you want to have a beer, but you know my stance on drinking... Go ahead and have that beer because I'm not going to imitate you. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not going to imitate you. You can go ahead and drink. Go ahead. But if you get drunk, I'm going to videotape you and use it in a message. <laughs> you don't, you trust me. I won't put it on social media. I'll, I'll save it to here. And this goes out to a lot of people. So anyway, <laughs> you will be used one day. Anyway, so Pharisees are one that, that put their, their conscience on you, and they're not going to imitate you at all. And then there's these other ones. I call them the ghost um, people. They're the anonymous people. They are the theys. You know, have you ever had someone come up to you? 
they said this. Well, who are they? I'm not, they're they. I'm not going to tell you who they are. <laughs> they, they, those have no names, right? Yeah? And so um, I don't even listen to those. I actually don't listen at all. And if you don't want to tell me their name, that's fine. Just don't tell me what they said because they need to come to me anyway. So those are the ghosts. And then there's the ones who have the, and these are the most people, most of the people, their personal conviction. They have strong convictions but aren't in danger of imitating you. And we all have these, right? And so these aren't weak Christians. The weak Christians are ones we're concerned that are going to follow me. So if I'm doing something that their conscience says no, then I, I need to love them enough not to do that in front of them. Because you, you can use your freedom, but use it in love. Watch out for your conversations. Use common sense. Listen, don't post your, your, your freedoms on Facebook. Let me tell you something. It got more dangerous when social media came about. Because your picture of you drinking your margarita with your friends could lead somebody to do the same thing. Right? Watch how you do these things. Listen to the, should I post this? Maybe not. You don't have to. Don't, well, I just want to be free. Well, then you need to get saved. Because you're not loving your brother as yourself. Be concerned about that. Because it could say, well, well, they're doing this. Then I can do it. But my conscience says, no, but I they look like they're having fun. That drink looks tasty. Watch what you do. Deshaun, well, this is so hard. Well, that's life. But love is hard. Love is not easy. How many of you are married in here? Love is not easy. Right? It's work. It's a choice. Use common sense. So those who are strong Christians, this is what I want you to do. Enjoy your freedoms. But limit your freedoms for love's sake. Love others more than you love your freedom. Amen? Love others more than you love your freedom. And listen to that voice of the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit will always lead you to what is right. Listen to that voice. Amen? I mean, we can list it. You know, tattoos, movies, TV, drinking, dress. Schooling choices is a big one. Right? I have, I have a strong conviction on schooling choice. But I'm thankful for those who have the other choices to do it. I don't put my convictions on them. Right? So, so use it wisely and listen to the Lord. God, help us obey you, Lord, and love others enough to do it. That's what Paul is talking about here. Go ahead and eat the meat as long as it doesn't violate what's going on inside of you. Go ahead and do it. And as long as it doesn't lead other people to violate their conscience, right? So this is the best thing to do it, is to ask the person, is this okay? 
Are you okay with this? Because we don't have to do this, right? Have freedom to do that. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you right now for your word. Lord, the only way we can do this is to fall completely and passionately in love with Jesus. So, Father, help us do that. Help us to fall in love with you, with your son. God, we want to love others as ourselves. We want to love you with all of our heart, everything that we are, but we want to love others as ourselves. And God, we, want to, we, want to, we thank you for our freedom that we have, but Father, we also thank you that God, we are being led by your spirit even in using those freedoms. Because we have knowledge of freedom, but we don't want that knowledge to puff us up and become prideful in Jesus' name. So, Father, just help us right now. Show us, God, right now, every single one of us, Lord, where maybe we've used our freedom and we've led others into sin because of it. So show us where we made those mistakes so we can make it right, Lord. So, Father, show us where we've been condemning in our convictions. Show us where we've, we've uh, put our convictions on other people, even though they have freedom. God, I don't want to do that either. I don't want to be a Pharisee. Help us live that lifestyle right and honoring to you, God, and honoring to others in Jesus' name. And we thank you, God, for knowledge, for that knowledge that is led by love and humility, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.